marketers, we live in a beautiful world surrounded by technology. With marketing depending on IT to help optimize the MarTech stack, should B2B marketers be better IT trained? Today, Monday, May the 12th, 2020, we welcome Graham Porter, Managing Director of RSM, now Blueprint ANZ, and also Marketo's Partner of the Year to the show. Graham, welcome to the conversation. Thank you very much, and thank you for inviting me on. It's a, it's a great pleasure to be talking to you. Hey, Graham, so, you know, I mentioned their resolution marketing, and I know, um, you know, I know the company, um, and I know um, how you guys are structured, but, um, you know, just for the audience, you've got 300-plus clients um, around the world. Um, you were the 2019-2020 um, Marketo or Adobe Marketo or Marketo and Adobe Company, however we want to refer to them. Um, you were the um, Adobe Marketo Partner of the Year, were you not? Yes, indeed. We we not only were, but we are. So so we're still in that period. We're looking forward to being voted again as uh, for, for 2020, 2021. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we started the company or I started the company um, about 21 years ago. You don't look old enough. <laughs> Why, thank you. Um, uh, but we started the company as a telemarketing agency, actually. So, oh, really? Wow. I came, yeah, that's right. It's we, we've been through all sorts of different, uh, I don't know, connotations or, or, or different phases of our of our life. And uh, 21 years ago, I was working for an IT company called Borland. So, those of you that would remember development tools, C++ kind of took off when Borland development tools and IDEs, as they called them workbenches for programmers when they they kind of revolutionized that back in the day still when people were loading programs from floppy drives onto pcs that were all quite new so i was the uh vp for marketing for borland around the asia pacific region and borland did some really strange things at the time and eventually it ended up being acquired by another company but uh did some strange things changed its name had a few interesting ceo decisions and i decided i resolved i made a resolution hence the name resolution marketing resolution never to work for an it company that was founded out of the us ever again because i got all cross and, and what have you started uh, a company which then had five people um, it was sort of being run out of it. I'd like to say it was run out of a garage, but we actually had quite a plush office, so I, I won't point to it too much. Um, telephone lines, back in those days, direct mail, still is actually. We're still doing a fair bit of DM now. Uh, direct mail uh, was very important. Fax outs were very important. Email was kind of at the beginning of mass email. Um, so we started that, and over the period of time, uh, we, we became a very sizable telemarketing agency. We came across this thing called salesforce.com and they came to us, these two Salesforce boys, um, including a guy called Robert Zimmerman and said, um, you know what, you, you seem to have got these, you've got three instances of Salesforce at, at this address. I said, yes, that's right. So three, three of our clients from around the world, they, they'd asked us to put up a CRM, so we did. 
and Salesforce came to us and said, you know what, we'd, we, we'd like you to do, sell some more of these things. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. We're a, we're a telemarketing agency. We, we don't want to be, you know, representing any software companies. Besides, our customers use Onyx and, and they use Act and they use all these other things. Um, and we, we want to be agnostic. Of course, what I was really saying was this, this Salesforce.com thing, it's just not going to take off. Online <laughs> CRM, who would think? Um, and that all came from the fact that I was a computer programmer. So that was my history, how I became a marketing head. Um, and then a, an agency head is, is, is difficult to say. Um, but it sort of evolved. Then over time, we evolved from telemarketing into doing marketing automation with Marketo. And in the last 10 years, we have done now over um, 300 Marketo implementations, mostly around Australia, New Zealand. And we were acquired a year and almost 11 months now by a company called Blueprint, which is headed up out uh, from Liverpool in the UK. Um, and so we are now a part of that organization. So Blueprint X is the name of that organization. And I now run, I actually run the Asia Pacific region, but uh, the name of my company is Blueprint X ANZ. And that explains why down in the bottom left-hand corner of your screen at the moment, we can see the, the Blueprint X ANZ um, uh, moniker. So, Graham, it's like, um, yes. you, you mentioned a couple of things there, right? It's like um, you mentioned ANZ. Um, so, uh, and I guess, um, you know, the listeners can tell by your accent that uh, um, maybe you originate from Australia or New Zealand. Um, and I say that with a cheeky smile on my face because I know exactly where you're sitting and I know your heritage. You're, you're not actually from Australia or New Zealand, even though you are Australian sitting in Australia, right? Yeah, totally. I decided uh, to take the whole hog and, and, uh, and become an Australian um, almost 20, 21 years, uh, 23 years ago now. Um, so my wife and I met at Philips Electronics back in the UK in 1989, something like that. We were both on the graduate intake at Philips Electronics and uh, learned a heck of a lot from that, the whole graduate intake stuff and uh, the way that they, they launched the careers of so many. We still keep in touch with a lot of those graduates. Um, and I learned a lot about how to treat staff in that in that time and through that process. And when we bring on our own graduates here, we still have a philosophy of bringing some of those boys and girls on uh, over time. So there's a lot of that that's come from it. But no, my heritage is from Gillingham in Kent. In the you UK. certainly don't have a Gillingham Kent, um, you know, accent, my friend. But uh, I, I, hey. I believe I'm a Kentish boy, not a man of Kent. I think it depends on which side of the Medway uh, you're born. Can't quite remember which way round it is. But yeah, we emigrated here in '95, and to be frank, never really looked back. You know, it's been one of those massive moves that you do in your in your life, trying to bring up two small children. Well, they're not small anymore chances are one of them will come in with my dinner in a minute so I apologize if that happens um, but uh, yeah trying to bring up two small children on your own obviously my wife's here too um, without any family support has has been probably the biggest challenge but Australia itself is is a pretty decent place to pretty decent place to hang out and we were you know in so many ways a long way away from the financial crisis obviously things like corona which is going on right now for those of you who are watching this podcast in the future um, 
obviously things like that it's uh it, those worldwide pandemics are affecting us obviously just as much as others but being such a um a far away country so far away from everything else but still with a, a decent sized economy has uh has always played a, a a wonderful thing for me um in in my life because the the quality of life here and what my kids can do compared to what i used to have to do when i was back in the uk is is fairly uh fairly significant so i'm happy with my move so so graham if, if we think about that um you know that that career right you've you've worked as a mentor to to hundreds of marketing managers in different businesses of all sizes across you know different industry sectors so you know if if we think about um you know today's discussion and the operationalization of um, you know, practices um, from a from a marketing perspective and from a sales perspective. Those different those, those different tactics that we're we're having to bring to bear because of technology that you've mentioned, right? So you mentioned that you worked with Salesforce as far back as two thousand and one, and you started your your Marketo journey um, back in twenty ten. You know, all of those technology evolutions right have had an impact upon those people and those companies that you've been mentoring what have you seen as the the different marketing tactics marketing plays sales plays that um people have been able to to put into practice because of of that technology wow that's that that's a huge huge topic and tell me when i'm going don't worry we've got four hours no i'm joking (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah all of those statistics are correct uh are correct we've we've done close to 200 salesforce implementations from scratch and well over 300 as i've said or 300 uh, marketo implementations so a lot of the other ones incidentally have got things like dynamics alongside of them some of them haven't got a crm system at all and they're disconnected to their operational systems and sometimes they're probably the most interesting ones and we can talk about a few of those if you like later on but it it is quite interesting because when i look at the history of of where it has fitted into the business we've clearly over the years it was helping um in uh, warehouses and factories robotics right you know bringing all yep. of that technology in and helping that part of the business and then and then technology arguably probably started helping the accountants next things like general ledgers and, and, and finance systems um, and then ceos with reporting systems and then technology came along and helped the hr teams and then eventually got to the sales teams people like uh, you know the, the users of salesforce arguably marketing people probably got a little bit of help there when Salesforce came along, but, but not a great deal. And then of course that the marketing technology, the MarTech stack as, uh, as, as we now call it with all of those 5,000, 10,000, whatever number of systems you want to believe exist in the world for marketing people. Now, all of those things have just happened and it's happened at such an enormously fast rate that the marketing people, and this is what I found, that find the marketing people when I go and talk to them, and, and a lot of the folks that I go talk to on a on, on a weekly basis, there's something else that's coming at them, or there's another salesperson from one of those companies, one of those IT companies, is calling to say we can fix this problem. And sometimes these poor marketing guys don't even know, boys and girls, they don't even know they got this problem. 
And that's, in some cases, the sales tactic of the IT vendor in order to tell them that they've got this problem that needs solving. So it's like they're trying to um, constantly uh, sell new technology and have all of these, and I'm going to call them poor marketing people. They're not, by the way. They're in a beautiful world of so much tech that can do so much stuff that you and I probably would have died for about 20 years ago. But the biggest problem for these guys, the biggest problem for the marketing people is there's just so much Salesforce some time ago. It was a, it still is a wonderful platform. It's a brilliant platform. And it itself has a, a, a huge array of different technologies that you can put on the side of Salesforce to add to the core technology to do stuff. That's been great and it evolved over a period of time. Likewise with a lot of the, the, the HR systems and the reporting systems that I was talking about. But they tended to have one piece of technology and then a few more bits added on. Now with MarTech, there's just everybody's, I've got the system for this, I've got the system for data cleanse over here, I've got a system for integration, I've got other systems that I need to glue together with other systems. So, and the, the marketing people, they're not IT people. I'm lucky in that my, my, my training has been, or my education and university was, was, was all about IT, which is weird because, as I said at the beginning, when I described my career in that I started in IT and now I'm running a digital marketing agency. It took about 20 years for those two things to catch up. But still, when I see a lot of these marketing managers, they've come out of university and they can write, some of them, they can write incredibly well, beautiful content, what they're not is IT people, and they're not thinking of it savvily in that way. So you asked a question about how, uh, how is it that we can, um, or what have been the best plays? The best plays for me, and it's a stupid old chestnut, and I almost hate bringing it back up again, but I'm going to. It's the, the marketing and sales disjoint. And people right. still say to me, does that still exist? And I'm afraid to say in many places that it does. Right? There's, there's going to be... Typically, you know, the old gnarly sales guy, I'm one of those now, so I can say it, who isn't, doesn't give two hoots about what the marketing person is actually doing. Really, they don't. But trying to um, get a play where those two, plus a whole bunch of other people who are going to be very key in making decisions and greasing the wheels, getting those people together and coming up with a plan that allows the whole team to be successful those are the things that absolutely need to be focused upon. So technology, yeah, and you and I are both in technology, and I don't want to say it's irrelevant, but really it comes down to the people. You know, typically, right. and I think people have described five pillars, and I won't, I won't bore everybody with them, but you know, people, process, technology, data, and content. If you focus on all of those things, you're going to be doing fine. But the, the most important one for me has always been the people. And so when I'm mentoring someone, and typically it's a fairly junior marketing person in order to bring them along in their career, the real focus has to be on, on the, the, uh, the ability for the marketing person to actually communicate with their peers in other divisions within the business, which is sometimes very hard when they're 25, 26-year-olds, younger sometimes, um, who are trying to sort of step up. But really, the um, the best plays in all of this is when sales and marketing are sitting together and starting to identify how they can do more, whatever it might be. It might be doing more with less, especially in these days when you know uh, Corona, unfortunately, is going to destroy many marketing budgets. 
but they need more leads. They can't do them through events anymore. So now you've got to think very carefully about how you, you can't be sponsoring for that conference anymore. So you, now you need to think about how you're going to generate more leads yourself. And it's, it's almost um, the writing's been on the wall for quite some time for the lazy marketer um, where they just go out and sponsor X event, maybe 10 events in a year, get as many new leads as they possibly can, and then send a whole bunch of different emails out. Right? That stuff just, um, just doesn't happen anymore. Um, so you need to be, you need to have a process and a, and, and a, and, and a series of, um, uh, or, or a, a structure within your entire team, sales and marketing together that empowers that. And that's where with your new organization, that's where social comes in. And it, um, uh, again, that I still believe scares the heck out of most sales guys. I still don't think they leverage it properly at all. I think a lot of them are, are gradually coming up to speed. The younger ones are obviously going to adopt it faster. I'm being rude to old people. I'm sorry about that. But, um, you know, typically those are the sort of senior sales managers who sometimes need a, um, a little bit of re-education as to how all this stuff fits. But in, in general, it's still about sales and marketing. So, so, Graham, you mentioned several things there, right? You mentioned budgets, leads, events. Yeah, if I if I picked on on those three, right? It's like um, and if I pulled them together a little bit, right? It's like um, um, you know, if you look at industry st- uh, statistics, if I can get that word out, it's like um, uh, my my morning, your evening. But um, if you look at industry statistics, right? It's like um, and you know, I love I love data. It's like um, from the 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 work we've done together. But um, industry statistics, thirty nine percent on average of um, a B2B organization's lead conversions would come from, from their events channel, right? It's mm-hmm. like, um, um, and if you look at the, the budgets that the typical B2B organization will put into events, it'll be somewhere between 18 to, to 30% of the overall marketing budget. If not, in some instances higher, some instances a little bit lower, but somewhere between that range. Budgets are being frozen revisited it's like um you know call it what you will right in so much as some spend's being committed and you can't claw it back because that's just the nature of the event right it's like um you know no one saw um you know this this pandemic come in and a lot of insurance clauses or clauses in it get out clauses in in contracts just weren't there to to cover that right yep. so some of that's been lost yep. maybe the event organizer has been kind enough to allow you to roll it to next year or, or whatever, but yeah. some of it, some of it's still sitting in, in the marketing pot, right? It's like, um, what are you seeing companies do with regards to the way that maybe they're reallocating that budget to, to other marketing tactics in order to try and fill some of that 90, uh, sorry, 39% void. Yeah. So, we're seeing a lot of our clients coming back to us and asking because we typically run their marketing automation systems for them we run their marketo instances basically for them or at least we administer it if uh, if they're a more mature client of ours they'll be the one executing the campaigns but we'll administer it and, and manage it on their behalf um probably in the last, I'd say the last two weeks since since the, the pandemic was has really taken hold, uh, I'd say about 60% of those organisations have come back to me 
and said, which of the webinar type technologies should we be integrating into our, uh, into our tech stack? Um, and where should it sit alongside? Should it sit alongside Marketo? Should it sit alongside the CRM system? Which ones are going to be um, the best ones for us to be using? So I won't drop names, but there's there's clearly a plethora of of those sort of um, uh, those sort of technologies around. Some of them are going to integrate better with the marketing auto play, automation platforms than others. But that was kind of the first thing, and people um, that was a bit of a knee jerk reaction. For me, that's not necessarily going to give you leads, right? That's just another piece of technology that now sits in another bloody thing. Sorry, excuse me. Sorry, readers, um, listeners. Don't worry, we can um, bleep that out. Okay, excellent. Uh, I'm, I'm in Australia. It's just going to be a beep. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it, it's not actually going to generate leads when you think about it. And to be frank, it's hard work running your own events. And to be frank, it's also mostly... And again, the lazy marketing person will be marketing to our own customer base or an existing database. You need new blood. You're going to be constantly requiring new blood. So with that in mind, where we see, and this probably plays fairly significantly into the organization that you're working for, um, we're spending a lot of our time reinvigorating the, the, all of the social channels that we can possibly find. And it's and I'm not just talking there for about you know the LinkedIn, the Facebooks, and what have you, but really the channels that you know of where you can be electronically social. So that includes so and I'll give you an example of one of our clients just right now. We're doing a, a helping them out with a, with a campaign, um, and it's not good enough just to put things on LinkedIn and hope that this stuff's going to happen. What I'm doing is personal referrals about gingerbread houses. Now, let me tell you about this client. Nice. I can. So, yeah, so they're a lovely client of ours uh, for about the last year and a half. And uh, they called us maybe a year and three quarters ago and said, hey, we make gingerbread packs. Really? Tell me more. So what they do um, is they provide packs of gingerbread houses. You know, the walls, the roof, all the icing, all that sort of stuff gets delivered to your house. The idea used to be that hopefully Mrs. Day, who I know you've talked about a lot um, in, in different times in, in, at events, yeah. so here I am yeah. doing it for you. Thank Mrs. You. Day, when your kids were small, um, uh, would have maybe 30 of them delivered. And then you would, uh, Mrs. Day would then host a party with 29 of her friends with all little Fr Frida and Johnny and all that sort of stuff. And they'd all make their gingerbread houses together wonderful social thing to do right so as you can imagine this isn't necessarily a great thing just at this present time you yep. know the whole idea of being social, social distancing yep. pretty much gone so uh, anyway this this client reached out to me um a couple of weeks ago and said look graham we can we can pretty much see the writing on the wall here um things aren't necessarily going along smoothly so i thought to myself okay now who do i know right now these boys and girls are using adobe they, they're using marketo they're actually a marketo user and a salesforce user and an e-commerce user and they're probably the world's most perfect instance of all of those things because they're a fairly small business they're not big you know it's not like uber who is another one of our clients where oh i shouldn't say that so um but don't worry about it for the purposes of the recording it's fine it's not like they've got this massive political system and, and there's so many people doing things you don't know who to ask um but with these with these people the gingerbread house gingerbread folk um they're small enough so that everything's 
perfect. All the data is perfect. The e-commerce system is perfect. Everything's small enough to be, to be um, uh, and all the e-commerce flows directly into the operational shipping system. It's, it's just a, a perfectly run organization. The only trouble is now, of course, no one's buying, right? So I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, they're using all this technology. They came to me and they said, you know, can you possibly help? So I'm going to do a couple of things. Personally, I live in a very sociable street and I'll, I'll do a whole bunch of social stuff for that. But I've also now reached out to directly via email to our partner account manager at Adobe and said, hey, these guys are a client of yours. They're going to need a bit of help. And by the way, I know all of your, what, there's about 400 people here in Australia. They'll all have families. Let's say 50% of them have got small children at home. How about you roll this out throughout your organization and see what we can do in order to drum up more support. So think of it as that. And that's the sort of thing when I'm mentoring some of the, the people that I'm talking to right now, don't just think of social as purely being, you know, I've got three and a half thousand followers on LinkedIn and I probably know a couple of hundred people on Insta and a few other places over there. Really start tapping into those groups that you really feel that you could do. And it might be your social groups. It might be the train, uh, the, the personal training groups for the, for the local gym. All of those sort of um, uh, groups of people that you can start tapping into but it all has to be electronic. But that's, so, that's where a connected workforce, right, is more powerful than a brand. Yes. Right? That's, yes. And, you know, that's, that, that would be you know, my yeah. takeaway from, from, from that, right, Graham, is a connected workforce is more powerful than a brand mm. because you wouldn't have got involved, right, if, if you hadn't have known, like, um, you know, those people bought into it, like, um, you know, you wouldn't have got to know about that if that person hadn't come and approached you in the first place. And it, it becomes yeah. the, the network effect, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of, uh, well, in Australia, we are anyway, of, of these uh, infographics where we're talking about the spread of Corona. <laughs> yep. You think about it, you know, the spread, the spread of, of a message, right? Yeah, that's right. It's exactly the same thing. So leveraging that as much as you can, especially today, especially in today's economy, I suppose, we put it that way, uh, because people still do have 29 bucks to spend on a gingerbread house. How, how do you ensure you remain relevant, though? So like, um, you know, if you take the, the gingerbread um, you know, conversation as, as an example, um, you know, it's one of a number of conversations that you're having, I'm sure. How do you ensure that to the people you're, you're putting that message out to, um, you know, how do you ensure that you remain relevant? Because I think, you know, that tip and trick can be brought back into uh, you know into other b2b workplaces right and it's it's all about ensuring relevance these days right yeah yeah and that is of course the the most difficult thing i think for most organizations to uh, uh, to do us included so if you think about our organization We've been working with some of our larger clients. Rico is, is, is one of our longest serving clients. Um, we've been with them for about nine years now. So, and we were supposed to be there for about six months. So we've clearly done a terrible job, <laughs> but you know, we walked in and we said, okay, you've got a, a pre-existing Salesforce instance and now you want marketing automation. What do you want to achieve? And of course we did that in the first, probably four or five months, we'd managed to do the implementation, train the people and got, got them to a point um, of, of competency. But after that, 
at Rico, things have changed. So my relationship now within the organization itself is to keep myself as relevant as I possibly can to all the marketing people and then spread out as far as I can within there to all the product people and spread out there to all the salespeople of the product people. And you can't just spread out and, you know, buy them beers and, and what have you. Although uh, in, in some cases... It does work at times, right? I yeah. I, yeah, I suspect it does. Um, but really, it's got to be about relevant stuff that's relevant for them in their position at that moment. And that is almost the most difficult thing to do. Anyone, well, most people are, are able to be sociable enough and, and hold a, a good conversation with people. But what you're saying to them has to be relevant. And that's exactly the same when you're selling gingerbread houses as it is all the way through to, you know, if you're selling uh, computer software or business intelligence software to, to somebody, you have to be as relevant as you possibly can be at that moment. And that is where all of the marketing automation systems and, and the guys you're and, and Octopost and all of those different technologies as they're, as they're gathering information about what people want to read and then pushing more information back to them that is relevant about what they want to read more of based on their history. That's how you do it. Now, keeping that a huge amount of data um, on your customers and then being able to use that data effectively is a massive problem for these marketing managers as well because they're flooded with it. I said earlier on, they're flooded with different systems. You've got marketing systems and operational systems. You know, what did the customer buy? Sometimes that's not even in CRM or in the marketing world at all. They've got SaaS systems. They've got social. They've got e-commerce. They've got all these different technologies coming at them. What most marketing managers that I talk to on a regular basis are saying is just help. How do I, how do I see myself through all these different technologies? And they're also saying, but they're not really realizing it. And also the data that's underneath here, just looking inside of sometimes I get one of my um, uh, customers just to pick on one customer, just go to anybody, any record in your database, just double click and look at the stuff that has been captured inside of Marketo about what Colin just clicked on. And they suddenly realize all of the behavioral analytics stuff that it's been capturing. And some, some of them, the smarter ones, are, are starting to use that in their future campaigns. But there's so much information that we now know that is legal to be captured about what we should be doing. But very rarely do I find anybody who's made, who's put two and two together to say, okay, if I get all of my content lined up with all of the analytic stuff that I know about what these people are wanting to hear about, I should be highly relevant to these people in the moment. And, and what channel they want to receive it on or channels, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, there's so many of them now, you know, I, I, I look, I got a message from one of my guys earlier on today and I forgot what platform it was on. I needed to, I knew I needed to go back and look at this message. It was one of my guys. It was a fairly important message about one of the clients needing something. And, you know, we're, we're just in, in our business, we're on Slack, we're on teams, we're on WhatsApp, we're on email. There's SMS as well. Don't forget that. And, and by the time I've thought, okay, where was Mina's message? Uh, and, and what exactly did it say? Another 15 messages have come in in that time, right? It's hard enough for me just as a human to, to consume all of that stuff, let alone trying to then mount scalable marketing campaigns that are going to be successful. 
and the so to tie back to your original question which may have been five minutes ago now it's all about being as personal as you possibly can be and serving the information back without being creepy if you're creepy it's it's just not going to work um but knowing what they've clicked on before knowing what the you and predicting exactly what you think they should be um wanting next that's where people should be aiming their marketing messages so graham three things for the listeners if i may so like three things for them to think about as they're thinking about their technology stack as they're thinking about their their, their plays in, in this time what what free tips would you would you give to people so to um to go back to very uncertain times that we are living in so um just just today i was having a conversation with a um probably mid 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 age or mid career I'd, i would say marketing person um and she'd come from a background of uh, content writing. So think about it from a PR perspective, I suppose. So that was that was pretty much uh, her history. And had moved through and, and done many different roles, picking up all the skills required from marketing automation through to sales automation. Very, very smart lass. So when she's trying to position herself now in order to lead her business, because that's how she thinks about it, her organization, it's not her business, but she's, she's an employee. She wants to position herself as someone who's going to lead her organization out of these problems. You know, my, we're going to try and this organization is going to try and market their way out of, uh, of the mire that they're finding themselves in. Revenue's gone 30 plus percent down. Um, everyone's losing their heads a little bit. But what she's doing is being very, very um, sensible, level-headed, and putting and planning um, in order to do uh, basically market herself out of this problem. So the, the first one would be going back to the core of what your organisation. So I'm giving the tips now. So the first one would be going back to the ethos of what the, the business was actually first created to do. So you can look at your mission statement if you like, if you if you get your your juices from that. But really going back to some of the core messaging about how um, your organization can help its customers, can help people. Um, it's not always all about money. That's, that's really quite important. You know, with, with gingerbread folk, we're getting no financial remuneration from that. We just want to help a good customer out, right? And we'll get some good messages from that. I know that my LinkedIn post is, is it's being buzzed. My phone's buzzing at the moment as people are liking it. So important that you do some of those things but really go back to the core of what you've uh, your, your business was uh, was all about in the first place and then try and re-engage with those customers so some of those customers that you probably haven't spoken to for years are ones that you really should be focusing on right now because they'll be the ones that have trusted you and known you over that period of time so first one is look at your content the second one is look at the data. So the data that hopefully you've been gathering inside of your uh, social systems or inside of your marketing automation systems and have a good look at that stuff and start to analyze it. If you haven't already, some people already are. So well done. But as I said earlier, some, sell, some marketing people haven't quite gotten to all that stuff just yet. But you'll be amazed by the gems of the sort of campaigns that you can start to build once you really start to analyze that data. And if you haven't done that for the last three, four, five months, you really need to be doing it now. And if you haven't got that stuff, you need to build it now 
because people will still be hitting your website, hopefully, and you, st you need to start looking at what on earth it is that you can do to sell more stuff to those people. And the right way to do that is the third part, tying those two things together. So taking the data about what the historical stuff that they have and you know what, what they've bought from you in the past, and then getting really clear and precise messaging. So those would be the those would be the three things that I think if you go back to the core of marketing, that's really what it's all about. Excellent communication. And this goes for everything, by the way. So I'm really annoyed by our politicians here. I don't know how Boris is doing in, in your neck of the woods because I don't see a lot of what he's doing. But I know our politicians in this country, in Australia, they have been very unclear. We've got two different, we actually got three levels of government here, which doesn't help. We've got a state government as well as a, a federal government, and then there's local. And and those two, the federal and the state, are sometimes been at loggerheads or they've been given right. different messaging out. Being incredibly clear, incredibly clear about what you can do for people at this moment is absolutely vital. And then looking at the data behind all of that stuff and getting it out to customers on the right platform or through the right channel is um, uh, is is key in in these moments. So Graham, I've got one last question for you before uh, before I let you go. Is email dead? <laughs> I got asked this question by a, we were going for a, a huge deal for, for, it was a um, worldwide company. They wanted us to run their, um, their digital marketing, uh, their digital marketing platforms all around the world. So, um, so it was one of the, the final questions. You could call it an interview, I suppose. Um, and it was the head of email basically for that organization that, asked me uh, asked me that question and at that point I had some really interesting stats in front of me about the number of emails that were sent out each day um, and the number of people who uh, are responding and opening those emails and executing you know uh, and buying things all the way from those emails and the answer is absolutely not there's no way email is dead it's been one of those things that um, uh, has been the uh, the mainstay i suppose of the marketer all these years and if you look at the marketing automation platforms there's still a huge amount of um of, of the the clever technology and the new features coming out that's related to that however just like I said earlier on, there's these new systems and new processes and all this data. There's all these new platforms and new channels that are coming on. So I often put up the example of my kids. So my kids will look at email probably three or four times a day, um, if I'm lucky. And I got a note to my wife sent something around about making sure you wash your hands. My daughter sent us back a WhatsApp saying, mum, why did you send that via email? I might not have seen it until tomorrow. So, and it's because she's, that's not her world, right? She's yep. 15 years old. Um, the 17 year old is, is on goodness knows. I actually don't want to know, but there's so many different platforms out there that we, we certainly can't expect to continue to be doing the same thing that we've been doing even for the last two or three years, the whole, um, technical support so i had a problem with an hp printer the other day um and i went onto the website and i was i was actually troubleshooting it because it's uh, made of mine's printer and i was going through it and at one point they just said right now hold this up and then we'll see you on whatsapp 
So they went through the whole technical support thing on WhatsApp. Wow. So yeah, yeah, it was just, it was brilliant. And, and I'm sitting there, he's on stuff and, and sometimes he was on the other end of the line somewhere, probably in, in a, in, in a distant country. And we went through the whole process and, uh, and it sorted itself all out. Now that's a clever use of technology, right? So people adopting, people adopting those, those new ways of, of going about doing things. That's not to say email is dead because if you look at the number of emails that are going, uh, that are being sent, it's still increasing. Um, that's so it's it. all about being part of an integrated campaign strategy. That's what really what you're saying, right? Totally. You know, if you look at the way some of the marketing automation platforms uh, sell their product, the way their pricing works is on number of records that's held inside of the database. And typically that normally equates to number of emails that's inside of there. But as we start building campaigns where the messages need to be integrated in with the WhatsApps of the world, because you could do that. Right? So, and, and pushing or, messages or WeChats in, in your neck of the woods, some of your totally. neck of the woods, right? Yeah. Absolutely. As we start adopting technologies or, or pushing messages out that are going to go, as you said, across all different sort of social channels, all different ways that people can integrate. And we're still doing bus advertisements. We've got clients who are um, putting um, uh, codes that people can scan off their phones. And there's still a whole heap of, of uh, and we shouldn't forget outdoor advertising and all of those old traditional ways. Ooh, I call them old and traditional Sorry. That, um, that would be but, you and me, Graham. <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> or you and I, if I was speaking correctly, right? Mm. Hey, so Graham, I'm, uh, um, I am so appreciative of you being able to, to join the conversation today and, and the discussion. Thank you so much for, for all of your insights. You're Graham Porter. I'm Colin Day. This was an Octopost podcast. Thank you so, so much, Graham. Thank you. And hopefully it was uh, hopefully it was useful and insightful. Graham, you're a star. Thank you so much. So.